This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. My name is Sue Bradley, and uh, Pastor Ron and Susan are enjoying uh, a little bit of rest, maybe some relaxation, although I hear they're not relaxing, but um, I am honored and consider it a privilege and a great responsibility to be sharing a message of hopefully good news with you today. And uh, this series, or this title of this message is called, The Obstacle is the Way, and thank you to Denise Lewis. She's a graphics guru, and I told her what I was looking for, and that's it. So, um, last year I read a book during the winter, and it was called The Obstacle is the Way. And it is by a man named Ryan Holiday, and it is actually taken from the uh, private meditations of Marcus Aurelius, who was the Roman emperor some 2,000 years ago. And Ryan Holiday has a uh, blog and I think a podcast called The Daily Stoic. He uh, is a Stoic, and Stoicism, from what I understand, combines philosophy and faith. So I don't know that this book was written by someone who's a born-again Christian, but he does acknowledge God. And as I was reading the book, explosions of Scripture just kept coming to my mind. And I really got a lot out of reading the book, and I want to share the perspective that I got for us as believers. Um, so, when we're thinking that behind the obstacle is the way, the, the point of view is that we never give up when we're faced with a challenge. When facing an obstacle, we need to be objective. We need to choose to see the good. We need to steady our nerves. We need to place things in perspective. We need to revert back to the present moment and focus on what can be controlled. This brought to mind immediately the scripture found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, obstacles can block us. They can keep us from moving forward. But in this way, the obstacle can be the way forward. And what I mean by that is, here's this guy with this pole, and his obstacle is actually his goal. And he's trained for this. So he is prepared to take on the obstacle that faces him and to hurdle over that vault. The obstacle can present temptation. We want to avoid an obstacle in our lives. We want to find a way to steer clear of the obstacle. The obstacle can be a hard conversation that we don't want to have. The obstacle can be a change, a job, a move, facing a new and scary chapter in your life, being an empty nester, needing to lose weight, college, taking the polar plunge, having a death in the family, overcoming anxiety. There's a supernatural approach to obstacles. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and I'm going to read it in the KJV because that's how I first learned it. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this book, and he says, My brethren, 
count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, that's the King James Version. In the New Living Translation, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but when I ever first read that scripture, it made absolutely no sense. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy? That's not how I was trained. Were any of you trained that way? In the world I grew up in, when troubles come your way, you complain about them. You run from them. Yeah. You avoid them. You try to put them off on somebody else to take care of. But you don't consider it a time that you can take delight and joy in. I don't know if you guys know Michael J. Fox, the actor. He was in uh, the Back to the Future series. So at a very young age, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And he's now like 60, and uh, his disease is taking its toll on him. And I watched an interview with him a few months ago, and he said something that made me think. He said, with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. Romans 8.31 says... What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? No one. The obstacle that's in my way, the obstacle that's in your way, it is an opportunity to grow, to change, to stretch, to improve, to get stronger. Overcoming obstacles is a discipline with three steps. Step number one is perception. Perception means learning to look at things differently. And like we read in James chapter 1, when trouble comes your way, look at it differently. Don't look at it as trouble. Say, I'm going to grow through this trouble. I'm going to gain knowledge through this trouble. We have to retrain our thoughts, our words, and our actions. I'm going to read James 1, 2, and 3 again in the Amplified Bible. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And wouldn't we all love to have spiritual maturity and inner peace? If only we could go down to Walmart and pick it up. That would be so easy. That would be great. I remember the first time that I was trying to put James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 into practice. I was working here at Faith Living Church. My office was up there, and I had a box of thumbtacks, and I needed them for something, but I had to walk them across to my coworker's office. And there's a step when you come out of the office, and I took the step, and the box of a 1,000 thumbtacks went all over the floor. Now, I had just read, whenever trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. And for the next 20-some minutes, I tried to find joy in picking up every single one of those thumbtacks. And that was a story that I still remember, so it was definitely an opportunity for growth. I want to talk about another person who had opportunities for growth in their life. This was a young lady named Mary. 
Looking in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, this is when Jesus has been born and the angel appears to the shepherds. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now just take a moment and think about where Mary's at. She's about 14. She's just given birth. She was told when she was about 13 that she was going to give birth. Even though she was a virgin and even though she was betrothed to Joseph. So she already had to deal with all of the things with a 13-year-old unwed woman giving birth because she was overtaken by the Holy Spirit and was carrying the Savior of the world. That's a lot to think of and deal with, just that alone. But then she's visited by these shepherds who were visited by angels, and everybody was excited about Jesus. And Mary was excited about Jesus. But Mary had to consider everything that was going on in order for her to steady her perception, to steady her nerves, and to be prepared for the journey that she was going to be going on with her family, including the Savior of the world. I looked up the Greek verb for the word kept in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, and it is a Greek verb, syntenero, and it means to keep within oneself, to keep in mind a thing lest it be forgotten. So this is something where she's thinking about it, but she's not telling her friends about it because she wants to understand it before she tells anybody else what's going on. And everything that has come into her knowledge makes no sense in the natural. It makes perfect sense in the supernatural. We're reading about it as an event that actually happened 2,000 years later, but when it was happening, I imagine it was pretty overwhelming for Mary. Now, Mary became a mother for the first time at around the age of 14, I myself became a mother for the first time at the age of 19. It was a typical healthy pregnancy, I guess. And when I went into labor, I had gone through natural childbirth classes. And I thought I was as prepared as I could be. So I was in labor, and we get to the hospital. My best friend's mom was the labor and delivery nurse. The doctor met us there, did the internal exam. And then the doctor said to me, 
your child is in the breech position. Now, there were no breech position childbirth classes. There was no like sidebar like, hey, you may need to have emergency surgery. I was prepared for natural childbirth. I was, <laughs> and all that stuff. But I wasn't prepared for this. The doctor explained that there was a risk with the baby being delivered breech because the birth canal was going to conform to whatever passed through first. Normally, it's a child's head. In my case, it was my child's feet and rear end. Now, I was eight centimeters dilated, and my eight-pound, 15-and-a-half-ounce baby was coming like a freight train. So the doctor said, what would you like to do? And I looked at the doctor, and I said something. I'd say something like, I don't know. You're the one with the medical degree. So, so the doctor said, why don't we do a cesarean section? And I'm like, okay. So within 90 minutes, my beautiful baby girl was born, and she was perfect, and she was great, and I'm thankful. But that was something that I wasn't prepared for and didn't have the time to think about. And I could have benefited from Mary's example of Cintanero. And many other times in my life, including now, I can benefit from the wisdom of James 1, verses 19 and 20, which says... So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In the New Living, James 1.20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we're faced with an obstacle, of which we will have many in our lives, what matters is not the obstacle, but how we see it, how we respond to it, and how we act on it. And this takes us to principle number two, which is action. Action is obviously the physical act. So perception was step one, acting, action is step two. Jesus said in John 16, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So obstacles are coming. And let me repeat, obstacles are coming. There is a false and unhealthy mentality when people ask Jesus into their hearts that it's going to be smooth sailing from then on, and it's just not true. We are going to struggle, but trusting God doesn't equal, while trusting God doesn't equal an end to our problems, it means that we have the power of Almighty God living in us to respond to those problems in a different way. Action does require faith, and it does require trust. If God is compelling us to action, I can promise you that our enemy is compelling us as well, telling us not to act. What are the things that can keep us from acting? Yeah, how about fear? How about doubt? In 1 Peter verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 8, It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Fear paralyzes us. Elizabeth von Mugenthaler, a bioacoustician from the Fauna Communications Research Institute in North Carolina, discovered that when a lion or tiger gives a deep, loud roar, its prey actually experiences paralysis on the spot. 
Lions don't have to be the fastest animal in the wild to be at the top of the food chain. They just have to be the most scary. Their roar paralyzes their prey, and then it's easy pickings. How about something else that might stop us? How about if we see ourselves as a victim? Will that stop us from acting? In John chapter 5, Jesus meets a man at the pool of Bethesda. And starting in verse 5, it says, One of the men lying there at the pool had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone always else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. There he was, the man by the pool. He had been there for 38 years. He was paralyzed for all that we can understand. But he didn't see himself as ever having another victory because somebody else always got to the pool before him. So he laid there all the time. And I imagine that that pool of Bethesda had to be a pretty, pretty depressing place if it's filled with people who can't live their lives to the fullest and have to wait and hope to make it into the water after the water was stirred up by an angel. Jesus cut to the chase and asked the man a simple question. Simple question. In the New Living it says... Would you like to get well? In the King, King James, it says, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus didn't make it sound like, Oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I can't, I can't make you well. Jesus said, Do you want to be made well? It's not whether I can do it. It's whether, do you believe? Do you have enough faith to believe that you can be made whole? And at the time, the man didn't. Instead, all he saw were the obstacles in front of him. His, his medical condition, his physical condition, everybody else at the pool. The angel wasn't having it from him. She was stirring the pool for everybody else, but he wasn't getting anywhere. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Do you want to be made whole? And as soon as he, as he recognized that Jesus was Jesus and that Jesus had the power to make him whole, he did what Jesus told him to do. He stood up, took his bed, and he walked. And from that moment on, he was healed. When we play the victim, when we blame things on other people, it means bad things. We, we think that bad things are going to happen and continue to happen. And other people or other circumstances are to blame. Any efforts to create change will fail, so there's no point in trying. Jesus knew that that man at the pool of Bethesda needed to believe he could be healed. He made excuses as to why he wasn't healed, but Jesus just cut to the chase and didn't, oh, I'm so sorry, that's got to be tough. I'm sure the guys that can get to the pool quicker, they're going to be healed and you're going to be here forever. Jesus didn't do any of that. He was like, do you want to be made whole? Get up, take up your mat, and walk. And in, in him doing that and speaking that to that man, he was healed. The man at the pool no longer had to wait in line for his healing. He no longer had to lay in a place with a bunch of other people that were sick but he needed to believe that he could be healed and get past that victim mentality, which took the focus off of the man and his problems. He had to put the focus on Jesus and his power. If we look at or focus on God, 
We're not going to see the circumstances. But if we look at or focus on the circumstances, we're not going to see God. There's a hymn that I'm thinking of. It goes something like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles in which he has overcome. So says Booker T. Washington. In Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Not only so, But we also boast in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These are the building blocks of spiritual maturity. If I had some cement and some bricks, it would be patience. On top of patience, it would be character. On top of character, it would be hope. And then we'd know that our hope is not something that's going to disappoint us because we've already been built up in patience and character. And we can have hope for things that other people look at and don't have any hope. These are the building blocks of spiritual maturity. Trials, if we trust God through them, they produce endurance in us. Endurance produces that character and character produces hope. Building on these principles helps us see past the obstacle. We can see a way because God made that way for us. When we're ready to act with God's power at work in us, Scripture says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So says Paul in Ephesians 3.20. Isn't that good news? Yes, amen. The third and last principle of overcoming obstacles is will. You've heard the term willpower, that someone had victory by sheer willpower. Now, Roman, uh, Ryan Holiday in the book, uh, Op, The Obstacle is the Way, acknowledges that will is actually indicative more of surrender than anything in our own power. However, to get there is to have already been moving in the other two principles, which are Perception and action. When we can perceive things from a place of God's understanding and perspective, then we can hone that ability to look at trials from a supernatural perspective. And when we can act according to that supernatural power that, remember, God has given us, and the perspective that God has retrained our minds with, and the action that we know is according to God's plan, We can trust a will that's higher than ours, a plan that we can't see in our finite minds. In Isaiah 55, the prophet Isaiah says, For the voice of God, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. 
For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I am fully known by God, I can't tell you how many questions I have. I'm sure that you have questions too. And every time that I have a question that I don't think is going to be answered or a question that doesn't get answered, I have to remember that I know in part, that I see things through a mirror dimly. But when I am fully in that place where I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus, the Bible says, I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. Now, I've worked at Faith Living Church off and on for about 20 years. And one thing that I know about Pastor Ron Thomas is that when he has a God idea, my job is to support that idea coming to fruition. And when I think of some of the things that we have been up against these past several decades, it boggles my mind. This year, as we were planning Vacation Bible Adventure 2023... Pastor Ron had what I believe was a God-inspired idea. We had gone to see a pre-screening of the movie The Jesus Revolution, and it truly was inspiring us as we were planning for VBA. In one of our planning meetings, Pastor Ron said he wanted to have a baptism night at Vacation Bible Adventure. Now, if any of you have been involved in VBA, and hopefully every single one of you has... VBA is usually some form of controlled chaos for five nights. But figuring a baptism into the equation looked a little like an obstacle to me. I also happened to be married to the head of the VBA safety team, so I had to be real careful with what I was signing up for. But I believe that Pastor Ron's wish was God-inspired and a God-honoring one at that. And then I had to engage the mentality that sounds a bit like this. Don't tell us that it can't be done. Tell us how we're going to do it. We talked about a lot of different scenarios. We met with leaders whose areas would be affected by this addition to VBA. We worked through so many scenarios and edits of how a VBA baptism could work, always keeping the idea in mind. It was never if we could do it. It was how we were going to do it. As many of you now know, we had a great baptism One of my granddaughters and my daughter's best friend's son, who's like another of my grandkids, got baptized at VBA that night. Yeah. 33 men, women, and children got baptized, and it was awesome. I truly believe that God was in the midst during VBA and during the baptism. We didn't avoid the things we saw as obstacles. We used the perception that we had and the action that we needed to take and then trusted God's will for the event. And as far as I'm concerned, God showed up and blessed each person who was baptized that night, and no obstacle stood in the way of anyone who wanted to get baptized. Seeing a baptism is one of my absolute favorite things because we're watching somebody say yes to the next step in their spiritual journey with God, and it just doesn't get any better than that. 
How about you? What obstacle, what obstacles are standing in your way right now? Do you need to change your perception of something? Do you need to see it? Maybe from a different point of view? Maybe from God's point of view? Maybe you need to act on something, but you're afraid. Maybe you're avoiding the action and have convinced yourself that you can't do it. Maybe you don't understand the power of God. Maybe you don't understand his will for your life. I pray that this message has stirred you into thinking about the obstacles in your life. And maybe the obstacles aren't even the problem. Maybe you've never understood that God can handle your obstacles. God can be trusted to see you through and walk beside you through that obstacle. God's power at work in you can overtake the devil who is spewing your head full of lies and trying to keep you stuck. I'd like to pray with you and join our faith in believing that God is able to do in us what nobody else has the power to do. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just lift the congregation up to you, these men and women and young men and young women. And Lord, I just ask that whatever you want to deposit in them tonight, Lord, that they would be open to receiving. Lord, you created us. You are the manufacturer, and your word is the manufacturer's handbook. Lord, we want to be more like you. As John said in John 3.30, I must decrease and he must increase. And Lord, we just ask that you would increase in us, Lord, that our faith would grow That even when we're facing trials, that even when we're facing temptation, even when we're facing storms, even when we feel like a victim, Lord, you have a solution for us. And you want us to tap into that solution. I pray for people who are here and they do not have your perception of whatever their obstacle in their life is. And I pray that they would gain your perception and to be able to see things from your level. For those who are afraid or for those who have a hindrance of taking action to the things they need to change, Lord, I ask that they remember that they are not alone, that you were the fourth man in the fire, that you are with them. Your word says in Isaiah that you would not let the deep waters overtake them and that you would not let the fire consume them because you're with us in the fire. You're with us in the flood. You're with us in the storms. I ask that you would help people take that step that they need to take, whatever it is. And Lord, finally, we want your will in our lives. Help us in the areas that we're trying to control in our own will and our own power. And help us to yield to you, to surrender to you. To be filled with your will in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the Holy Spirit power to do the things that you're calling us to do. To do the things that you're challenging us to do. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to ask that you join me in a prayer. Pastor Ron and Susan pray at the end of every service, and there's a reason for that. And if you have ever been to a funeral that someone at Faith Living Church has done, we do the same thing at funerals because people have gotten saved at funerals. People have gotten saved at weddings. 
And people get saved at church, too. So let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. And if you are a believer, I'm going to ask you to confirm, reconfirm your commitment to Christ and just repeat these words. Dear Lord, I thank you for loving me. I acknowledge that it is your power that sets us free. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, to pay the penalty for my sins, to pay the ransom for my wrongs. And I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know you're not going to leave me unchanged. I surrender to you just as I am. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.